the system had to break Yes. yes. before I knew that I needed to really reinvest. And so that's what I just kept doing is that I would invest into a system. And when I realized, oh, nope, our volume is going to outpace, Mm -hmm. we needed to reinvest and go up and, you know, and really do it. Are you ready to master your mindset and your business? Join thousands of women each week who use this podcast as a tool to create financial and emotional wealth. And when you're ready to scale to the next level, visit theunstoppablewoman.com slash go. Okay. Hello. Hello. And welcome to another episode of the Unstoppable Woman podcast. I am Amira Alvarez. I am the founder and CEO of the Unstoppable Woman. And I am super excited for two reasons today. One, we have Heather Roberts as our guest on the podcast today. And two, we're in a podcast studio. And we're interviewing someone in person, not over Zoom. Oh my goodness. Amazing. So... I'm super excited. Thank you for being the first person to be interviewed in person here. (laughs) I am so excited. Thank you so much. I'm so glad we could do this. I just, I love it. Yeah. So Heather and I live fairly close together, Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. not too far apart. We're part of a a mastermind group Mm -hmm. of entrepreneurs. And this is actually, we feel like we know each other, but it's actually our first time meeting in person. Isn't that amazing? Brave new world. Wild. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I'm going to... Let, let's just dig in. I'm going to cue up the conversation yep. by saying a number of things. And, and you correct me if I don't have any of this accurate. Yep. You went from being a stay-at-home mom mm-hmm. to building a business mm-hmm. in partnership with your husband mm-hmm. and then building business number two, mm-hmm. also in partnership with your husband. No, just by yourself. Mm-hmm. And then selling that mm-hmm. for a seven-figure exit plan, yep. which is fan-freaking-tastic. We yes. love that ROI. Yeah. Yeah. And then on to business number three, which is a very new venture right yes. now. Do I have that right? Yep. Okay. You so serial entrepreneur. Yes. Okay. 100%. And never, I mean, never really thought that that's what I would do. You know, it was just kind of one of these things that has turned out to evolve and that I'm, you know, very passionate about because I could never work for somebody else. <laughs> That's so interesting. So you had that self-awareness. You you understood that about yourself. So so tell us about the journey into that first business yeah. because I think that's really interesting. When I was doing my research, I was seeing that you put the dots together in in a way that was super interesting going from stay-at-home mom to doing this. And I call it following the breadcrumbs of desire, yeah. right? Like just taking that next step. Yeah. But could you flesh that out? Because there are uh, listeners who haven't either started their business yet or haven't mm-hmm. uh, gone full-time. They have a side hustle. They're in that phase where they're trying to figure out, do I want to start a business? Yep. So I don't know about a lot of the listeners, but um, when I was younger and my kids were growing up, I was very involved in our church and their schools and um, did a lot of volunteer work. And, um, you know, I helped co-write and edit a church cookbook. We, you know, I ran several PTAs, um, helped with other, you know, massive, you know, fundraising events and so forth. And I learned that there are a lot of transferable skills. Like if you can convince a bunch of PTA moms to all do the same thing, y'all, that is like, you've hit the jackpot, right? Because it's like freaking herding cats sometimes. So, um, and that's, and you know, that whole building consensus of getting people on your team and, and to really um, have a common goal. When we decided to start our, our business, it was a great um, match with my husband's skill set, um, which is he's a, a salesman through and through. Um, and I am much more of the operator, visionary type you know, type role. So let's pause there because there's yeah. a, there's a gap and I want to go to the granular here. Okay. So there's a gap between I'm running the PTA, I'm, I'm hurting the cats, I'm doing all the things, right? Yep. And I notice I have organizational skill set mm-hmm. to, okay, we're starting a business. Like there's a gap there. How yep. did you, like, how did you know that you wanted to start a business, that you wanted to start this business and, and that it was worth your your effort and yep. and the risk involved um, a little bit of accident um, a little bit of fate so prior prior to us becoming entrepreneurs um, we moved um, seven times in 
10 years. Wow. Um, we did a, a, a longer stint in Memphis with my husband was at uh, L'Oreal. Um, but prior to that, we literally, my, my oldest daughter lived in four different states by the time she was three years old. So we moved around a lot. And, and was that because your husband was in sales and he yeah. would be moved from he would be location? Okay. Yeah. Got he, it. He kept getting promoted, promoted, and promoted. And we were, um, it was, this is now 20, uh, or 2007. Mm-hmm. And we were in St. Louis and the president that had hired him, um, got let go. And the new person they brought in, which everybody knows in corporate, he was a VP of sales and marketing and he wanted his own guy which was fine because we were really at a point that it, where he was at his level, there is not, you know, that's going to happen a lot, right? In corporate, you, you have a, a lifespan at a certain company. So it meant that we were going to keep, continue to keep moving. And I was kind of done with that. Um, we'd have our, had opportunities to live in New York and things like that. And little kids, I was like, I just, I can't do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we kind of said, okay, what are we going to do? Um, and it was really a conversation that my husband and I had with my parents and my dad, who I never, who was very risk averse and I would never have thought would have been like this was like, I think it's time that you put your money where your mouth is and y'all do something on your own. So interesting. Why do you think your father saw that in you? Um, he, I, I truly believe that he saw a skill set in Josh and a skill set in me that would mirror well together. Um, it's just, we, we'd actually joke and we say the same things that make us good married people are the same things that makes good business partners. Oh, that's a great nugget. Yeah. That is yeah. a great nugget. So I'm also translating that a little bit. If you don't make good married partners, you might not make good business partners. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And so, so we actually, um, we had our three kids all in private school. We left our house that we had built in St. Louis like hadn't sold it yet. And we came back uh, to North Carolina where I'm from. And we like just came here, had no job, no exact idea what we were going to do and kind of said, okay, we're going to hope for the best. So it's really that we took that, you know, leap of faith in ourselves. Um, and we just never looked back. So this is great. So now describe the business that mm-hmm. you started because it's a great business. It's still in, you're oh, still yeah. running it. It's yep. still amazing. Yep. Yep. Uh, it's still serving great clients and people might be interested in actually yeah. what you do and the service you offer. Yeah. So we are actually a home decor and furniture, um, coaching and consulting company. So we work, um, with, uh, companies that like, you know, people who make furniture, that we're looking at, you know, mm-hmm. all that. We help them sell their products to the major online retailers. So that's Wayfair, Target, Walmart, um, Overstock. Just, you know, if you think of a major um, online outlet or company, that's that's what we do. We do have one key differentiator is that we personally don't uh, work with Amazon, but we have amazing partners who do. Okay. That are that do it a hundred times better than we ever could. So I understand this to be an e-commerce management mm-hmm. company. Mm-hmm. And when I was doing my research on you, because I know you from this yeah. other yeah. conversation, I was I'm like, okay, what does Heather do? Yeah. And and <laughs> it it's a fascinating integration because it's it's not just sales, it's right. not just marketing, right? It's it's sales marketing and and the whole project management yep. of getting your product from creation to in, in stores. Is mm-hmm. that right? To online. Mm-hmm. To online stores. Yeah. yeah. So for instance, our, our, for our, for our company, um, one, our ideal client is somebody who, um, is already, you know, like at least 5 million, um, preferably a little bit better, but they do at least 5 million. Um, and they're doing it, you know, at the store level, um, with, you know, sales reps or however, they're distributing their products, interior designers, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And then um, what is great is we just kind of, we help them learn how to build um, an e-commerce, you know, business. Um, that's, yeah, that's. So basically do. it's someone who's already selling these items, but they're, they're in the brick and mortar world and yes. they need to go digital. Mm-hmm. They, they need to go to e-commerce. Fantastic. Yeah. And we sometimes have folks who have been trying to do it. This is real common that have been trying to do it themselves when they just don't understand and they're stuck. Yeah. Um, what do you think the biggest mistake people make there is? Like, where do they get stuck? A uh, couple biggies. Pricing. They don't understand how to appropriately price um, for the internet retailer to set the retail. 
Um, and the second thing is they, well, there are three. Uh, they don't pay enough attention to um, shipping and, you know, how many times your product gets touched from, you know, from leaving your warehouse to the consumer. And then the third is images and merchandising. Yeah. All three of those are really big. I'm thinking about, I mean, I don't know much about from a consumer consumer side of things, yeah. the, the first, but the second and the third, um, shipping is so important. Yeah. We, we're in this instant gratification mm-hmm. world. If it doesn't get to me in two days, right. I'm like, what? Yeah, what? You exactly. Know, it, it, you, it, it's created in us this entitlement that everything mm-hmm. should be here and here right now. And of course, it it is in a spiritual sense. It's yes, all here, it's here all right here. now, but it does need to be shipped. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. and so that's a big one. And then whenever I'm looking online and I do most of my shopping online, the, the images matter so much. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's a bit of branding that you help people with. 100%. So what we do is, um, we actually have, you know, uh, qualifications that we put put companies through mm-hmm. um, and you know if their images aren't you know where they need to be we're very specific with direction of how you um, how they need to create them and so like with lifestyle images um, in particular um, are huge and um, you know nowadays you have less than three seconds to catch the cu- uh, customer's attention and so your lifestyle image is that first opportunity, but then your, what we call auxiliary images are just as important because if you're, if you're purchasing this couch, you just want to see not just the front of it, but what you want to see the legs, the side, the back, Mm. you want close up on the material, all of those things, because that's the way that tells your story. Yeah. How many times have you thought, oh, that's cute, but I can't tell and clicked away. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So now let's, let's go a little bit more, uh, zoom out a little bit and about how you, really built it's it's rsg sales mm-hmm. is that right mm-hmm. um how you built that because you had someone who's great at sales you had you who was herding cats with the pta and but and had but had some operational mm-hmm. knowledge how did you build it into the well-oiled machine that it is now so that you can work at scale with companies so we were, this is where it's a little bit of luck. Um, it was a wrong number, a wrong phone call that ended up kind of being what made us decide to, to focus on e-commerce. You know, there was a, a co- company in Canada um, that, anyway, called Josh by mistake, literally. And, um, you know, through conversation, they wanted to be able to sell to Walmart stores. Well, then and now, the only way to do that is to start on the dot-com side. And so, so that's, let's pause there for a second. Yeah. I want to hear the rest of the story. But called by accident, <laughs> your husband, who's great at sales, did not just say wrong number. Right, right. He said what? Can you? Because like I coach my clients a ton on sales because sales is what moves money. And if mm-hmm. you're not good with sales, you you're going to really struggle. And yeah. and I'm I, well, I don't want to jump. I'm going to, I have a, okay. a, a perspective, but I want to see if it's, it's accurate. How did he approach that call? So it was funny. It was the, uh, the fellow who owned the company. Um, and Josh said, you know, Hey, I, this, I'm not sure I'm quite the guy you want to talk to, but you know, what do you do? It was as simple as what do you do? And he was a furniture, an RTA furniture manufacturer out of Toronto. And Josh says, Oh, you know, that's what my previous company, my most recent position had been in RTA furniture and it just started from there. I love that. So one of the ways that I help my clients with sales is I'm like, just ask questions. Yeah. Be curious. Mm-hmm. There are particular questions that you need answered anyway as, as a qualifying conversation to see if they're, if, if you're the right fit for them and they're the right, right fit for you. But questions are so key. Guess what? People answer questions. It's human nature. If someone asks you a question, you automatically answer. People love to talk about themselves. Yeah. In any whether it's about them personally or their job or their company or whatever it is, people love to talk about themselves. Yeah, totally. Okay. So then that conversation keeps going and that ends up being your first client. Our very first client. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. Okay. So let's talk about being in partnership with your husband. Yeah. And uh, clearly something's working because you're still in business and you're still married. Still married. Right? <laughs> uh, what have been the challenges? How have you handled those? What's been the blessing of being in partnership with your husband? Because it's 
clearly not all challenges. Yeah. yeah. No. Um, so this is a great question. Um, and I actually, I, I love this. So it, it was, we've had a very interesting, um, evolution, I think of, um, us as entrepreneurs, but also as a married couple in the last almost 16 years, we've been married 30. So, um, the, you know, first 15 years of our marriage, it was very much, you know, he, he was in sales. He was traveled quite a lot. And, you know, it was my job to kind of run everything else. It was his job to, to, you know, have his career and do everything I could to support it. Very old fashioned, but that's what we did. Mm -hmm. Um, and then it became a situation of, um, I was entering into, you know, a workforce. We were partnering together and he needed help. So the first 18 months were a little rocky. I thought I was going to kill him. Um, and I think he thought he was going to kill me too. So wait, let's pause there. Yeah. What were those challenges? Like yep. the, the, was it a communication issue, a style issue? What, what, why did you want to kill him? Why did he want to kill you? So we didn't have, um, I don't think our roles were clearly defined. Enough. Yeah. That's such a big um, one. And we didn't have some good boundaries. Um, and yeah, those were the two biggies. Got it. Then I think you throw in the third part that I kind of had some imposter syndrome going on because, you know, I was feeling like, um, hi, this is a whole new world for me. I'm not sure I should be sitting at these tables at High Point Furniture Market and having these conversations. And, you know, the the buyers from these different massive, you know, retailers, this is before Wayfair was even Wayfair. Mm -hmm. They were CSN stores, you know, so I'm sitting at a table with Neeraj Shaw, who is the co-founder of Wayfair. And I'm thinking, who am I? What am I doing here? So let's, let's, let's use this as a teaching moment. How did you get through those moments? It turned out, um, Josh actually ended up leaving the company for a few years. Um, he had an opportunity that was really exciting to him. And I said, okay, you should go do it. And it was about two and a half years into the company. So we were doing well and we were growing and I was not about to like let it go. So it was me having to be on my own two feet. Uh, interesting. That really helped me have the confidence to do the job. And I actually then, you know, hired staff and team and, you know, did all of that. And we grew, um, so, you know, in the four and a half years he was gone, we, you know, we just had tremendous growth. Mm-hmm. Would was, I, would I be correct to say that there was a lot of pressure during that time? Yeah. Oh, mm, yeah. Yeah. So I, I just, <laughs> cause I don't like, like there, like we can gloss over it. Oh yeah. And he left and I just did it and I hired people and blah, blah, blah. Oh my. But what I think is really important for women who are Growing, I mean, you grew a, a multi seven figure business, okay? That, that you have to understand that there is going to be pressure and you have to be okay with the pressure. So looking back, I can't believe I actually kind of survived it. Um, and there are things that I would never ever do again. Like what? Um, well, I can, st- I continued to be the volunteer person in my kid's life. Oh, geez, so yeah. I'm the one, at, you know, like three o'clock in the morning, I'm sending work emails and PTA and, oh, I'm the team mom too. And, you know, I was like, what was I thinking? So I put a tremendous amount of stress and pressure on myself mm-hmm. because I didn't want to let anybody down. Yeah. I see that, the that a lot. You actually have good organizational skills and operational skills so you can project manage all of it. Yeah. Uh, and there is that adage, if you want to get something done, give it to a busy person, yeah. right? The, 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 there's a, a, a quality of quick decisions that happen when you have, when, when the window is shorter. Mm-hmm. If you have an hour to get all through all your emails, you're going to go through your emails very quickly. If you have six hours and yep. you're going to take take your time and maybe you won't answer those emails. So hundred percent. And I think too, another thing that, um, was an added layer of complexity is my, my father has a degenerative degenerative nerve disease. Hmm. And, um, so there was, there was some help that was going in that way. So I was feeling pressure from, you know, I'm, I'm Gen X, we have sandwich generation, you know, Hmm. um, parents and kids and everything in between. And what, finally helped kind of break all of that for me was I hired a personal assistant and I started to outsource a lot of the things that didn't require me to be there that could still get done. And then I created 
you know, I began setting some boundaries around things yeah. and being able to say no. <laughs> <laughs> the learn skill, right? Yes. So let's talk about hiring the personal assistant because some people have many people on their team. Some people are looking to hire their first assistant. I know, now when you say personal assistant, do you mean uh, executive admin or do you mean in your personal life? Uh, it was mainly in my personal yeah. life. I, f- I have found that that has been a game changer yeah. for me. Yeah. Um, that, that it has just freed up I mean, you're still conceptualizing what needs to get done to some degree, but it just takes so much off your plate. Mm-hmm. Did you have any uh, worthiness issues around that? Oh, I felt so bougie. Yeah, I was like, I was like, who? Am I? I mean, like literally. And then the <laughs> it was so all three kids were still living at you know at home. Um, they were like high school and middle school age at that time, and so I. It was an adjustment for me to say, oh, yeah, we're supposed to do the team meal today. You know, hey, can you go, you know, do this at the school? So I really, like I did, I felt like kind of bougie and like, who am I to do this? But then in the same token, I was like, I'm, I don't have a choice, you know? Mm -hmm. And so very quickly, the uh, kids learned the, um, they, they loved the assistant. <laughs> you know, it was like, Hey, I'm, is she going to target today? Because I, you know, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Um, but also, you know, just things like that. And then the, um, I feel like that for me, that was when I hired a housekeeper that, that like, who am I bit? Mm-hmm. Because my, my neighbors across the street, I was very good friends with. Mm-hmm. And I thought I just had the whole conversation in my head. I yeah. thought, they're going to judge me. They're going to say something. They're going to be like, who are you to have house cleaners? And really, the question was really, who am I not to? But right. like, mm-hmm. uh, and, and in fact, she, the next time I saw her, she said something about, oh, I saw that you had maids coming because, because mm-hmm. it said Mary maids yep. on the car. Right. Yep. And, and I had to like breathe through that moment. And she didn't say it in a mean way. Mm-hmm. She said, said it in a acknowledgement, maybe in a, I wish I could have that too way. Mm-hmm. But that was my moment of, of who am I to, to, to do this. And then it's a never look back piece. Oh, hundred percent. Right? Yeah. yeah. And actually, so I felt all of this kind of uncomfortableness around having, having the assistant. But the thing that I started to find, um, is that when, you know, when I would go to like my kids sporting events or things like that, everybody who had interacted with her was like, oh my gosh, I wish I had that. You know, how did yeah. you do that? And, you know, and I was like, really, the, the cost of having her is nominal to the benefits of my life. To, to your personal life, your sanity, and also your ability to do to grow your business. Uh, yes. And it really, it actually also... So, um, so put, the, it, put the dots together there. Yeah. How do you think, if you, could, if you could talk about ROI on just hiring a personal assistant for handling kids stuff, handling family stuff not even an assistant in, in the business. What do you think the ROI on your business was? Oh, I know our sales actually grew almost 40% the first six months that I had her. Yes. I want everyone to hear that. Her sales grew by 40% the first six months that she had the assistant. Now, here's the thing with that. It's not like you took that extra time and you went and you stared at your navel Right. Okay. <laughs> like I know you, Heather. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You took that extra time and you you put it into the to the business. It yeah. gave me the brain space to think strategically. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the big thing. Is it really gave me the brain space to think strategically, which then um, had us also attract higher quality clients. Um, which allowed us to raise rates, which allowed us, so it was a whole domino effect. Yeah. It also allowed um, me to be able to uh, travel a little bit more when I needed to. Yeah. Um, and it gave, you know, took the pressure off. Yeah. Let's circle back to something that you mentioned earlier and we kind of glossed over it, which was boundaries. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about like where you were at with your boundaries early on in the business and what your boundaries are like now and, and the evolution therein. Um, I think when we started, I would say that there were no boundaries. If I'm perfectly Meaning frank. you were wor- working all the time? Yep. Yep. Okay. Yes. Um, and then... And let's pause there, okay? I'm just going to keep interrupting. You are totally fine. <laughs> so I just had, did an interview with uh, Christy Faye, who you know, yeah. and 
we had a great time. And it, and it's kind of funny because when I'm around like the, the dudes, the guys, I'm like, I'm in my all in, go for it energy. And we had a conversation around because he's just sold his business and he's shifting his, his perspective and what he's doing. And, and, and he's making some very conscious choices around that. And I, and I asked him, you know, would you've gotten your business to the point that it got to where you could sell it for multiple millions and all of that. If you hadn't of early on in your business, put that kind of all in, go hard all the time energy in, because I hear a lot from, this is my, my current little, uh, on, on my bandstand thing. Mm-hmm. I hear a lot because I listen to different podcasts and people and being interviewed. Oh yeah. I wish I could have told my younger self, stop and smell the flowers, you know, uh, take more time. Don't stress so much, all of this sort of stuff. And it sounds great, but I don't know anyone who's gotten to here who hasn't in the beginning and the beginning can be a number of years. Okay. Been all in and, and, and to some degree grinding it out and, 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 and pushing. I'm not advocating that you're miserable. I'm not advocating that you get to burn out. But I also don't think it's, it's disingenuous to say that you don't do that. So I'm, I'm curious about what you did in the beginning and how that affected the business for positive or for negative. And when did you start shifting out of that all in no boundaries perspective? Great question. So I've been thinking about this a lot because of the latest venture that I'm doing and I'm approaching it differently. So I'm going to let you know in a few months how it's going. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll circle back. But um, no, I feel really strongly that had we not taken that approach, that you know, hustle and grind for a few years, we wouldn't be where we are. I think that we had to learn a lot of lessons that I don't have to relearn again. So this business, business number three, can now be very different because you've learned all those lessons. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I and I think that. that's the key difference. I think you have to, you know, you have to make those. I, I, mean, I will never forget the very first time I lost a major client. It was a $70,000 a year client and I was sitting at my kid's basketball game and I got a call from the guy who owns the company and he says, we're going in a different direction. And I was just floored. I was like, <laughs> I mean, it, in, 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 they, they came and they went and did in-house and did all of these things. But you've got to have those $70,000 mistakes, yeah. <laughs> you know, whatever you want to call it. And survive them. And survive them and learn. Yeah. And you can't do that, I don't think, if you don't kind of have that hustle mentality for the first few years of your What business. did you learn from that experience? Um, I learned to never be too comfortable with any given client, no matter what the relationship Mm-hmm. I learned that there were some signs along the way that I should have picked up. Right. Um, I also learned that I needed to have fluff you money. Um, so A- extra buffer money. Is that uh, what you mean? More like, Hey, I could fire you. You could fire me and it's not going to make a bit of difference in my life. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let me translate that and mm-hmm. see if I'm on the right track there. Cause you're being a little coy. You're doing this. I don't want to say the yeah. word that I would normally yeah. say. Okay. So, oh, F you money. Okay. Got it. <laughs> I can say it. You can say um, it. So I just, so, you know, but, know the dynamic. Yeah. Yes. I mean, so but like that puts you into, when you have buffer, that puts you into a place of abundance yes. and you don't have to be a jerk. Right. But you, it allows you, uh, freedom and allows you choice. It allows you to show up generously. Yes. All these things doesn't necessarily need to be like F you, but it can be if you need, you, you don't have to be beholden to people. Right. And what I kind of, the way I look at it is, um, sometimes you, you, it's like dating. New clients are like dating, right? Mm-hmm. And you, sometimes you, you think that it's like, oh, this is a great match. Oh, I'm just, you know, it's heavenly, blah, 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 blah. And then, you know, the warts start coming out. And so you need to have enough buffer to be able to say, you know, this is not right for us. This doesn't fit our values, our morals, our vision, our this, you know, thank you very much, but we yeah. need to go separate directions. That's like dating. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, um, yeah, when I finally kind of got to the place of, okay, well, this isn't going to kill us. Yeah. You know, when you're ready for freedom, you find the courage to scale, but you don't have to do it by yourself. It can be so much easier. And it starts with you attending the Unstoppable Woman Summit. 
which if I do say so myself is going to be off the chart. Join me this November for an electrifying three-day virtual event where female entrepreneurs from all over the world gather to learn how to scale their business and unlock the freedom they desire. And a special offer to all podcast fans. Get your seat today by using the link theunstoppablewoman.com slash breakthrough and save $500 on your ticket right now. Go grab your ticket and I will see you at the summit. So one other thing that I want to touch on is I see a lot of really successful companies become successful in, in not, not every company, but I just see a pattern where there, there's a partnership there. It's either a, a husband and wife or a wife and wife or, you know, two business partners. Mm-hmm. And that the, there's two people that are all in. So instead of just having one person in the hustle and grind, there's two people with that ownership mentality. How important was that to the excess, success of RGS? RSG. RSG, yeah. thank you. So, I would like that. No worries. Well. Yeah. No, no. So um, I think it's like I said, we've gone through some evolutions. Mm-hmm. and Because you had together, just Heather, and then together again, right? Together, just Heather. Heather left the business, started oh. my own company separate of him, Okay. sold it, came back. Got and, it. you know, so let me... Do yeah. you mind? Yeah, no, no. So um, we, he came back, um, and I think it was 20, 2012, early 2012. And we had very different roles. All of a sudden, um, I'd grown this company, and not to be crass, but I was the boss, mm-hmm. right? I had a team. Yeah. I had my own relationships, my clients that I had brought on, people who did not know him at all. Mm-hmm. And so he came in because... He had been the boss, you know, and he, so there was a little bit of friction there. Got it. And it was, um, you know, it was really, the six months was really rough. Mm -hmm. And I looked at him one day and I said, you know what? I've had a a mentor say to me, you are doing a lot more for your clients than the normal person does. You're involved in product development. You're involved in sourcing. You're involved in this and that and the other. And, you know, you really should think about starting something for yourself. And when I finally kind of told and had that conversation with Josh, it was a few months after that, that I decided that I was going to leave RSG sales. And so that was, if I'm understanding the timeline, a response to mentorship, giving you an insight and direction, but also we're having a little bit of butting heads. Let's, let's see what happens if we separate a little bit here. Okay. Got it. And so what I, I did was I started in a decorative throw pillow company. Yeah. I Um, looked it up online. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, e-by design, it's doing very well today, but the thing that made us different, our differentiator was that at that time, um, you know, most throw pillows were a solid color. Mm-hmm. You couldn't get a reasonably priced throw pillow that had design. And so that's what made us different. We were print on demand. And so we had the capability of having thousands of designs. And I actually worked with artists. I didn't work with the traditional kind of, nice. um, you know, fabric designers and that type of thing. I literally worked with artists. And they would, you know, hand paint things and then we would digitize it. Um, and so it was really very authentic and unique. And so now, of course we did, there was probably 18 months. Our best selling pillow was a navy blue pillow and I wanted to like tear my hair out, (laughs) but you know, we eventually, um, you know, had some really unique things. So I took that, I was kind of, and you grew that business from nothing to what, what was, um, it was doing, uh, almost 3 million. Three million a year. Mm-hmm. That's great. Just about. We did. Um, we had over a million dollars a year at Wayfair. We were a top five uh, throw pillow supplier. Yeah. Um, and then we had, um, you know, our other accounts. And I took um, Paige, you know, from my own experience, and said we're only going to focus online. Yeah. It's not. You know, we're not going to to really try and penetrate the other markets. It's mm-hmm. just going to be really hard. Did I make some mistakes and think I maybe could once or twice? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and it didn't go well. And, you know, $30,000. And I'm like, that was a complete waste. Yeah. But I learned. Yeah. So that's a really great 
insight. You said it two times. You know your numbers. That was a 70K client. That was a 30K mistake, right? You know your numbers. I have a 30K mistake too in my, my history and my journey. And I think of it at the time I was like, ouch. But very quickly, I was also like, I'm going to learn from this. I understand exactly where I went off, like the assumptions I made and the things that I did. And that has now, that lesson has now saved me millions of dollars in terms of not going into relationships with people when I, when these red flags go off, Uh pay attention. And, and it seems obvious with 2020 hindsight, but it wasn't at the time. No. And I needed to learn that lesson. Exactly. Do I wish I didn't? No, I I can't say that I have any regret because it's, it's helped me so much. Exactly. Okay. So when you look at this, just a very personal curiosity question. When you look at the pillows that the company you sold is now designing, are they the same designs or totally different? Are they still doing the yeah, same thing? No, great question. No, we sold our t- part of that. Is it, it was an asset sale. Mm-hmm. So the assets were the designs and um, the accounts that we we had and all of that. So by the time um, one of the, you know, because operations and systems is my one of, my, one of my things um, is that I really worked very hard to make what I called a business in a box. So, so, so let me ask you a question about that because I think that's really super smart. Did you start the, the when you said, okay, I'm going out on, Josh, love you, going yeah. out on my own, going to do this, this, this e-pillow thing, mm-hmm. e-design pillows. Um, did you think, yeah, make yourself comfortable there. <laughs> um, did you think... Okay, I'm going to build this for acquisition. No. Okay, so at what point did you start going, okay, this is going to be a business in the box. I'm going to be able to deliver this to someone and starting to think through what needed to happen to make that happen. Um, really, it's it really kind of became more through a natural evolution. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we first started, we were very hands-on and we needed to be very, much more system-oriented. Mm-hmm. And so that... That really was it. It was ease. Like, and I will never forget it was um it was Black Friday, and we'd been in business two years, and this Black Friday just exploded. And we were processing all of our orders by hand still. And I will never forget, I'm at our kitchen table. I had all five of us in our family <laughs> logged in. I was like, we had thousands and thousands of orders to process. And I was like, I can't, we had to meet lead times and this and that and everything. And that's what we did that Thanksgiving weekend. We (laughs) processed stupid orders. And my kids, I thought the kids were going to kill me. But, um, you know, I was like, okay, we are not. (laughs) I was like, we are never doing this again. You know, and that was my thing. Like I had, the system had to break. Yes. Yes. Before I knew that I needed to really reinvest. And so that's what I just kept doing is that I would invest into a system. And when I realized, oh, nope, our volume is going to outpace, mm-hmm. we needed to reinvest and go up and, you know, and Great. really do it. So the last 12 months that I own the company is when I really put in the, the largest, most robust um, set of systems yeah. that were the huge investment mm-hmm. that makes it so the company can run, you know, very seamlessly. easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So why did you decide to sell it if it ran seamlessly? I was tired. You were physically tired. I was tired. Yeah. When did you sell it? 2019. Okay. So it's been now th- three years. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, have you stayed tired since then? No. Well, okay. yes. And I'll explain. So th- I decided um, kind of at the end of 2018... Um, there were some things with, you know, there was hurricanes and, you know, <laughs> things that had impact, impact, impacted, um, manufacturing and so forth. And, and it's like, okay, I don't think I want to do that anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have to worry about the hurricane wiping out things. Um, and so that's really what made me decide that I needed to think about how do I sell the business? Mm-hmm. And I started interviewing business brokers and people and finding out everything I could, selected a broker. And we were really lucky because when the com- business went officially on the market, we had sold it and had actually closed the whole deal six weeks later. That's fantastic. And is that because the business broker that you 
you interviewed a bunch of them, you found the right one. Yes. And that person helped you prep the company for sale before you brought it to market. Is that correct? She did. She okay. helped me really understand a lot of the things that I needed to have in place mm-hmm. so that we didn't, so when we were ready, we were actually really ready. Yeah. Fantastic. I love it. Okay. So then you sell that business. That's 2019. 19. And you go back into our, why can't RSG. It? RSG. Thank you. Um, RSG. Actually not Okay. I took a consulting position as the interim president of Bunny Williams Home. Okay. And it was in New York City. And so I spent mm, the next 10 to 12 months turning the, helping kind of turn things around. Their leadership team had left and they needed to reinstitute and put in some new. Okay. Um, And it was, it was really the experience that I had had. Mm-hmm. Uh, so plus I got to, you know, go back and forth to New York a lot, which yeah. was super fun. Um, so did yeah, you take so I your did kids that. and do Broadway oh, shows and oh, all that the yeah. whole thing. Yeah. So we, um, I was, that was like, that was a once in a lifetime opportunity and experience. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad that I did it. Mm-hmm. I learned so much about myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really is what then when, you know, I hired my replacement and she was trained and so forth. Um, it actually changed how we do business now with RSG sales. I love that. So what did you bring back that you integrated and how has it been like, I don't know how many iterations we have now, but now you're back in the company, you're running it with, with your husband day to day. How has that been? Um, this has been the best yet because it's January, 2020. Um, I'm back in the business full time and I did an analysis of the business. Mm. And I sat down with Josh and I said, here are some things that I see as potential problems that I think we need to correct. And how do you take that? He actually, by this time, he was used to me running things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of like, even when I had eBay design, he would run a lot of things by me through RSG. So we, you know, we there's, still, there's collaboration. Yeah. There. Collaboration okay, and, and connection. Yes. So by this time he really was, he was all in. He's like, Yeah whatever you want to do, let's mm-hmm. do it. And, um, we are one of the few companies that actually can say that we doubled our sales during the pandemic and have not had the drop off. Yeah. Most. That's a big one because a lot, there was a lot of home interior design stuff happening during the pandemic, but then there's been this drop off afterwards. Right. So interesting. Why do you right. think that is? Um, one, we put together our, our client onboarding system is much better. Mm-hmm. Um, our, the way that we communicate with our clients and our service is second to none. Mm-hmm. Um, we serve a very specific niche and um, are known as experts in this, in this niche um, to the point that we have the retailers referring people to us. I was just going to ask, because I know... Your daughter is now your marketing yes. manager, which yes. is super cool. Yes. I love seeing that. Uh, what what do you do for marketing? So it's um, really interesting. We do a lot of videos. Uh, primarily, um, we do um, YouTube videos. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just people all over the world kind of type in how to sell to Wayfair, how to sell to Home Depot, how to, you know, and so we do. And these are big companies, not just small companies. These are right? big companies. Isn't that so interesting? Yes. I mean, I'm constantly telling my team, they'll, they'll look at me and they'll be like, well, how do you do that? I'm like, I don't know. Let's type it into to YouTube, right? Right, and right. And we'll figure it out. Right. And, and Google is your friend. And mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. amazing what you can find out. So exactly. that's, that's really and fascinating. And that's given us the opportunity to form some other partnerships. Um, we've had you know, speaking, um, you know, engagements and things like that, well, digitally over the pandemic, mm-hmm. but it really um, kind of helped further cement where mm-hmm. we were. Um, and so we do, to answer to answer part two of your question, um, YouTube is our biggest mm-hmm. um, way that we, you know, get clients, but also LinkedIn. Yeah. Fantastic. So what is your daughter brought to the table? Does she do uh, the marketing for for, for you guys and for your clients as well? Or is it no, just... No, she does just for RSG sales. Okay. Um, so what she has brought is um, uh, the helping with the gap in technology. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and she's a really good um, copywriter. And um, she's really good at taking things that we want to 
say in a much more verbose way mm -hmm. to shortening it down. Mm -hmm. um, we've also, she's really good at sitting down with the salespeople and saying, now, what are their questions? What are, you know, and really pulling them out, out. so she has the customer language. Yes. Yeah, yeah. so, so important. So um, how's it been running a family business? Like you now, you now I are know. two generations yes. family business. Yes. How, how is that? Um, it's, I would say this has been the best. The last few years, mm -hmm. you know, really have been amazing. We have very clear, like there is no question about clear roles and, roles response and responsibilities. responsibilities. Yeah. Um, and so to have my daughter, Emmy, you know, be able to, if Josh is um, trying to do a video and he's kind of like, I don't want to do this now and so <laughs> forth, you know, for her to have the, the power and to say, you know, hey, Josh, we don't have a choice. We have a deadline. Yeah. So let's, you know, you need a five minute break. Okay, great. Or if I'm, you know, being the same way, a little headstrong, it's, you know, Hey Heather, cause we have this rule. You can't call us mom and dad. You mm -hmm. have to call us by our first names. Mm -hmm. Um, and that does she call you mom and dad at the Thanksgiving table, but at, at work call you Heather and Josh. Yes. Yeah. I love that. That's, yes. that's great. Yes. And that was a friend of mine that I met years and years and years ago who'd worked in the family business. And she said, that's what they did. And it really, clarifies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so we have really clear roles and responsibilities. We also have very specific boundaries around when we can talk about it and when we can't. So that it doesn't go into the dining room table and dinner at, or Sunday brunch or whatever. Right. Oh, interesting. Okay. Right. Good. So, you know, there are like, there are times that we can talk about work and times we can't just like, you know, when you come home, if you haven't really seen, you know, and that's the other thing, we're a family business, but I can go a whole day and not really have any idea what they're doing. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if, you know, she lives on her own, but you know, Josh can come home and we have that, Hey, tell me about your day. Mm -hmm. And that's that 10, 15 minutes and then it's done. Yeah. I love it. So good. So good. Okay. So you've made a shift yeah. recently. So my understanding, though I don't have all the details, is that there was, um, there's parental stuff going on mm -hmm. and maybe a little burnout. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Okay. So why don't you frame up the picture about like what the shift has what drove the shift and what the shift is too? Sure. Cause it's kind of exciting. It is very exciting. Yeah. Um, so on top of my daughter being part of the business, she actually has also had um, a misdiagnosed um, illness. Okay. Um, we thought she had chronic migraines. Um, and this is, she won't mind me sharing. So okay. we we thought when she was 15, she was diagnosed with um, chronic migraines or she was 16. And they were fairly debilitating. Um, and so there were times where she would not be able to work and she'd have days. And it was just very awful. Um she had some um, worsening symptoms this spring. And I said, okay, we, this isn't, you know, working. And she'd been um, referred to some very high-level specialists and so forth. And, you know, she was 26 at the time. And I was like, this is not how we're going to live. Um, she, so and she was passing out. And so you can't live on your own if you're passing out. So she came back um, home with us and she has a service dog. And, you know, after like two days, I was like, this is not migraines. This is something else. Mm. And, you know, by virtue of having to help my child, um, you know, I said, I, I need to reorganize some things. Mm. And so we spent a journey um, that we were very, very lucky to get her the correct diagnosis. And her life has just completely done a 180. She has a normal life as she's now 27, you know, of a 27-year-old. That's fantastic. Yeah. Would you mind sharing me what that actually yeah, no, was? Because I think there's a lot of people oh, out there with chronic migraines, and maybe it would maybe help them. Yeah. yeah. So she turns out to, uh, turns out that she has something called POTS syndrome. Huh. So it's postural orthotachic uh, cardiac syndrome. Anyway, long story short, this is what happens: her heart rate goes up and her blood pressure goes down. Okay. And it can cause things like headaches, passing out, auras. Um, you know, all of that, all of these things. Yeah. And so she's under a care of a cardiologist and, um, they have been fantastic. She's takes, you know, this one little medication and she got her life back. That's amazing. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, so but it, it caused, it, it made you go, whoa, I'm going to put the brakes on this. Yeah. I don't want to do, I don't want to, I need to focus on helping my daughter. Yes. 
And what's the follow-on from that? So actually, it was a conversation with one of our coaches mm-hmm. um, that I had in June, and I was tired, burned out, worried to death, um, and all of those things. And she um, wisely said to me, I think you need to take a month off. And she said, you need to spend the next three months getting yourself out of the business, mm-hmm. and then you need to take a month off. And... I was, I was like, I'm in. Actually, no, I didn't argue. I just said, I'm in. How do I do that? You know? And it was. Well, that's such an interesting thing because you can operationalize. You're a mofo on the operationalizing side and you can do it for someone else and you can do it for this business. But like when, when you have to operationalize yourself out of it, it's a whole different, whole different. Because there's, there's ego there. There's identity there. All of that. Yeah. Okay. And you know, oh, and, and control. You know, mm-hmm. it's the giving up of control. Yeah. So what ended up um, happening is that's I basically, that's what I did for three months. I, was, I just made a list of everything that I was doing mm-hmm. and then handed it off one okay. by one to somebody else. A lot of it is Josh has, has really, um, he's he will say this, he has grown as a leader. Mm-hmm. And so he, um, in areas of the business where he was just like, ah, I don't want you to know. You know, now he actually is stepping into those roles and is really interested in it and is really, you know, driving it. it. So when I took my September sabbatical, Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, had made a decision during the course of September that now I'm only involved in RSG sales for two hours a week. And that's a top-to-top leadership meeting with Josh. And that's a marketing um, meeting that, you know, with our ads manager um, and my daughter. So, yeah. So that ability and what started happening over that the month of these months of the summer is that by getting myself out of the day to day, my brain opened up. Yeah. And I really started thinking about over the last 15 years, what are the things that have made differences? Mm-hmm. And it's came to, you know, boundaries. As much as I am operations, it's when I put in the boundaries mm. in whether, you know, it's the business, but I've always had them with my children and, you know, mm-hmm. and valid them with my husband and my parents and, you know, all of that. And I just, I started really listening to some conversations that my friends were having. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is a, this is a real problem. Yeah. And we need to, you know, we need to fix this. That people don't have good boundaries. Don't yes. I think people don't know. Tell me what you think. I have lots to say about boundaries, but let's go there. So I think people don't know what a boundary is, mm-hmm. and then they don't know how to set a boundary, and then they don't know how to be a boundary. And I'll tell you my interpretation of all three of those, and then I want to hear yours. Okay. Okay. So like. So for for me, what I am finding out is it's a worthiness issue. Totally. They don't feel that they are worth that, that they're so used to being the all things to all people. Yep, 100%. Um, and so there's a lot of that that you they have to, some stuff you have to work on internally. Yeah. Um, and then um, not looking like a mean, awful witch by saying, hey, I need this from you. Yeah. Um, and realizing that you may... And you, you, you end up looking like a mean, nasty witch... If you don't have good boundaries, yes. If you don't, if if you get to a level of resentment and frustration, right? Then then this this come from energy is like, right, you know? and you end up having blow ups, and you yeah. know you're mad and you're resentful mm-hmm. and all of those things, and it's toxic relationships and everything. Yeah. So so actually, so it's that first step of realizing you're worthy, mm-hmm. and then what I'm finding is it's the second step of okay, well, we can, what we say, create them, mm-hmm. but the conversations are hard and then the keeping it. Right. Because the, the definition of a boundary is this is what the boundary is. And there's some repercussion if you cross that boundary. Right. And most people think all I have to do is say, don't bother me during this time. I'm just using an example, right? From, from two to five, I'm busy. Don't knock on the door. That's a boundary. Making, making up a simple one. But they don't have a, what happens if someone crosses that boundary ramification? And, and that's, again, where the worthiness piece comes in. Because if you don't feel worthy of keeping that boundary, meaning 
you know, if, if you do that again, X, Y, and Z is going to happen. I'm, I, I won't be able to show up for you over here. Right. And then you keep this hard line and you, you're like, who am I to do that? And why, you know, can I really do that? And I don't want to do that. And that feels wrong and feeling bad and stuff. The yeah. best way that I can get, um, it through to women. Mm-hmm. And this is, this, it's interesting because I've had men come up and say, oh, this resonates with me too. But mm-hmm. I, I really kind of like working with women mm-hmm. um, just because I understand and I've lived it. Yeah. But the way I, you know, say is, hey, you're not going to let your, t- you know, you shouldn't. But when my kids were little and we were in the grocery store, if they threw an ever-loving fit, I have left many of full buggies of groceries and mm-hmm. taken them out and gone home. Mm-hmm. You know, because you have to have some limits and you have to have boundaries. You're not going to let your child throw that tantrum and then turn around and give them a cookie, right? It's not... doesn't work. Right. You know, if your teenager misses curfew, then there's a consequence, you know? Maybe they don't get the car for the next week, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And so when I put it in that context or, hey, when you were growing up, you know, and you, you know, did you ever like talk back to your mom or your dad? And let me tell you, mm-hmm. it was swift and it was fast, <laughs> yep. you know? I have this one memory just popped into my head when you said that. I don't know how old I was. I was in elementary school. It was really young and I didn't know what the swear words were, right. really were. And, but I've heard them, you right? know, this is what, and I said F you to my father and I got a slap mm. across <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, my parents didn't, there was, right. no, but there there was, was no punishment. You know, I can remember that time and one time I got spanked once, yeah. you know, yeah. like this was not, this was like, a, oh, okay, yep. I understand. Yep. So, you know? you know, if you think that's how I can really, you know, put that into yeah. some context, yeah. that there's not a person alive who cannot understand that, mm-hmm. right? Or if you're from, if you were an athlete, you know, if you deliberately went out on the court and didn't do what the coach wanted you to, you got yanked from the game. Yeah, there's a consequence. There's a consequence. And so when when women get to, they start going, oh, yeah, okay, you know, that... Um, and from my perspective, it's who do you need to be to be someone who respects herself enough to hold a boundary? Right. And I think the, the sort of master level of that, my, my perspective on it is... You don't need to like claim the boundary and have it be a hard boundary when you're just being that boundary. When on the inside, you have an expectation that of course, this is how it works. You, you then resonate and there's, there's like a, the other stuff just doesn't happen. No one would think to show up that way with you. And that's a, that was a big aha to me to then recognize where I was being being in boundaries in certain areas of my life. And I just was. Mm-hmm. And where I had to like work hard for it internally. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, I have to shift that. Yeah. That's a big one. So I think one of the ways that I like to explain it is, um, and, and Dr. Henry Cloud talks about this in his book, but it's that your first boundary is your skin. Mm-hmm. And so you have to learn how to live within your skin and your own body. Mm-hmm. And so it's like what you were saying, but there's a way to put a, 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 you know, an actual physical, you know, boundary to it that makes it a little more tangible mm-hmm. that I think then makes people a little more willing to understand. Right. So that, you know, you kind of say, Hey, I'm not going to let somebody just walk up and slap me. That's, whoop, you know, but it's the same thing as you're not going to let someone, um, you know, talk to you rudely or, you know, be the one who always kind of bails on you. If you make plans with somebody and then they're always that person Mm -hmm. that 10 minutes before bails, Mm -hmm. you know, that those things hurt your personhood. Mm -hmm. And if you look at it, that boundaries are about personhood. Yeah. um, I think it's kind of a little more empowering. Yeah, no, I love that. So before I ask my last questions of you, where can people find you? The best way is Instagram. Um, And it's at be extraordinary women. I love it. That's that's it. That's then it has like a link to all my stuff. But Instagram is the best place. I love it. So if you're interested in boundaries, if you're interested in RSG sales, Instagram. Instagram. Okay, great. Okay. So I have two questions for okay. you. What do you love about yourself? Great question. Uh, I love that. Um, that I am not, I am unapologetically me. Yeah. I am a little dorky. I'm a little goofy. 
I love to learn things. I, I will try anything. I will, I'm up for anything. So that's, Are you an adventurer? Do you like skydive and do things I'll like that? I'll try it. I mean, okay. and, you know, I'll, I'll be like, okay. Sharks? Right, I'll try it. That is my limit. I heard this story about someone like doing those deep dive with the sharks and the cages. cages. And, and, and I was like, I was trying to like imagine it. And like, I think my whole body started to hyperventilate oh, thinking about yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. There are certain, I mean, yeah. snakes. I don't like snakes. I, I can <laughs> handle snakes. And I mean, I don't love them, but sharks, man. That's your thing. Yeah. Yeah. So no, it's just that I am unapologetically me. And if you don't like it, that's okay. Yeah. I'm fine with that. I love that. I love that. And what makes you unstoppable? What makes you an unstoppable woman? I think it's the same answer. Yeah. Being unapologetically you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Heather. This has been fantastic. You've shared so many gems today. I love hearing the evolution of the growth of your business and how you've navigated with husband, (laughs) with children, with your own self-worth pieces, the imposter syndrome, how you've really gone and, and, and moved through it because it's not like you were birthed, like I've just birthed. business three yeah. and it's all like yeah. easy peasy lemon breezy <laughs> you've gone through the journey and i think there's a lot to to learn and see there well, thank, so. you. thank you thank so you so much